0: Welcome to the Salty and Bright podcast, a show about how we can better live as God's salt and light today. Today, I'm excited to welcome Touch One Lau to the podcast. Touch One, also known as TC, was born and raised in Singapore and is proud to have turned 61 this past year. After finishing high school, T.C. spent five years in Melbourne, Australia, where he studied engineering at university and started attending the Belmore Road Church of Christ. T.C. was baptised at the age of 22, met and married his wife, Chai Yin, and then made a temporary move to the American city of Boston. T.C. and Chai Yin have three young adult children, Sean, David and Kayla, and together worship and serve as part of the Mol Main Church of Christ in Singapore. Now let's get into our conversation about building a firm spiritual foundation. So to start off our conversation, TC, I was wondering if you could share a bit about how you first came to know Christ and to know his church.
1: I guess the earliest incident I would have to recall would be I was in primary school, I forget at what level, uh, and we were in the old house in Singapore in Serangoon Gardens, and that much I remember, and it was because uh, I, I, well, basically I knelt down in the bathroom, and uh, it was a kneeling of reaching out to a divine help. And that was because my mother and my eldest sister both were in a car accident. Just it was a medium serious car accident, you know, where my mom had to go for some stitches, uh, had a few cuts around her mouth. Enough that they were hospitalized for a a while and enough for a young son and uh, brother to be uh, reaching out to uh, something or somewhere And so I knelt down, I remember, and I reached out. I don't know how I did it, but uh, who I called out to. And I remember that very clearly in my mind. So how how was that planted? I have no idea, but I, I reached out. Then moving to secondary school, I remember one day the whole school was called out to the balcony. We had a huge balcony next to the classrooms. We were on the second, third floors. And there was an incident in school that all lessons had to stop. And I remember just standing there at the balcony and suddenly I had this like a, I don't know, I was looking up the sky and had this moment where I was wondering about the cosmos and existential issues. (laughs) It was one of those, uh, maybe I was touched by God then. yeah. And fast forward, that was secondary one and secondary four, a friend, a classmate reached out to me and uh, evangelized to me and conclusion of that series of conversations was that we sat down and he proceeded to do the you know the four spiritual laws it's a little booklet that leads you to a confession of faith basically that's what it was and so he did that with me and I said yes to all the questions of uh, confessing my my belief and then he prayed and that was it yeah and then I kind of felt that wow I'm uh uh, I'm in the faith already and so then I had a group of closer friends not this particular person but another group of much closer friends and one of them was uh, had been attending since uh, young in the Presbyterian church so I went there and enough that then uh, I was asked whether I wanted to attend the baptism class and I said yes I will so I did and uh, but then at the last Session, They asked if we were going to be baptized and in the Presbyterian church, it was a sprinkling uh, baptism, but I, I halted and uh, I stopped because my parents were not very agreeable, but it was just a few months short of me going to uh, Melbourne to start my tertiary studies. So I kind of said to myself, well, I'll just um, obey them for now. And I know once I go to uh, Australia, I'll be in charge more of my own life. <laughs> and so uh, I go to Australia and uh, Melbourne, and uh, I had a classmate who was uh, a year ahead of me. So he brought me to church, and which happened to be the Belmore Road Church of Christ. Went there very regularly after that and met a lot of wonderful Christians Then after about five, six months, someone within the church asked if I was baptized already. And I said, no, what's baptism? And so that's where I got to learn about baptism. And I decided in, I think it was August of 82, where I uh, got baptized. And that's when the, the journey really began of growth and maturing. Yeah.
0: Maybe one thing I wanted to ask you more about TC was that early experience of you reaching out to God in primary school, I think you said. And it seems to me that you were already a deep thinker back then, but did you always have an idea of God or how did you kind of think about those big questions at that time?
1: Yeah, I mean, as I think back about those early years uh, before I was 12, I think I had a concept of uh, of. God. And I think not only a generic God, but I sort of remember that perhaps I had access to a Bible or or something. Either it was lying around the house, and why it was, I I wasn't quite clear. You know, maybe my, I'm the youngest of uh, five siblings, and maybe some of my older siblings had a copy, but of course, uh, none of them. Uh, none of them grew up uh, Christian and uh, maybe the Bible was lying around and I I kind of do recall roughly flipping through and uh, not understanding at all, at least enough to know, oh, there's this uh, figure called uh, Jesus Christ and he's the son of God. Yeah, I think those were the bare minimum uh, concepts uh, I had uh, in those days, yeah.
0: So TC, you mentioned that your family was actually against you going to that Presbyterian church at first. Was that right?
1: Well, I think they didn't they didn't forbid me to go to church. Uh, or, or I'm not even sure whether I told them I was, you know, I just go off on a Sunday morning with my friend and quite often I i recall now I stayed overnight with my friend and his parents who was the only child and... Uh, And then in the morning, they were off early to church. It was a 7.30 uh, uh, session that they always went to. And I remember I just wake up with them and just go along as well. Uh, They may not have kind of realized I was going to church. Yeah, I'm not sure. But there was an incident that brought it to the fore. And I can't remember the timeline of when that happened. Well, definitely before I left for for Melbourne, where my mother and father um, have an altar at home. It's still there today in my mom's house. And on this uh, wooden altar, they would put uh, some joysticks, of course, and the picture of my paternal grandmother, so my father's mother, taken when the, my father was still in China. So it's a black and white, bit faint, but you can clearly see the, the image of my paternal grandmother. And then, so it was the, the usual practice that towards about Six in the evening, somebody would go and in Cantonese, it would be zhong hiong. That means to light the joystick and put the joystick onto the onto the appropriate place and kind of do a few bows with the head and the hand, that kind of an action. So as I got older, I was tasked to do that. And I had been doing it, but one day, and it was must have been because of my growing awareness of uh, the Christian faith, (laughs) I said, no, I'm not doing it anymore. (laughs) And that, of course, as you can imagine, uh, irked my mother to no end and uh, she she wouldn't have it and she used whatever means she could to uh, get me to continue to do it. I persisted and she brought in dad. So my dad came into the picture and it upped the trouble for me uh, quite a few notches. And then finally, my dad was so angry with me. I think he said something like, get out of the house. Yeah. And I think then either my mom or somebody else stepped in to mediate and cooled him down. And I kind of also slipped away and tried to be uh, oblivious. Or uh, <laughs> And uh, given that background, I knew it wouldn't be. It's now it's not the right environment to tell them I'm going to get baptized.
0: <laughs> but what I thought was especially interesting about your story, TC, was that you kind of rebelled against your parents by going to Melbourne and becoming a Christian there. And I think that's not the usual way young people rebel against their parents, if you know what I mean.
1: I think the rebel happened, the, the rebel happened when I refused to uh, light the joystick anymore. Because so when I went away, it was with their blessings because it was for education. And it was just a natural turn of events that, hey, when I'm not there, and you, can't, you can't really control me as much as, uh, as if I was still at home. And not that they were very controlling, uh, don't get me wrong. It's just, that I mean, out of sight, right? And uh, I live my life a little bit more, a lot more, I would say, according to how I want to live it.
0: Sort of following on from that, TC, since you didn't grow up in a Christian home, but you grew up with those practices of kind of bowing to your paternal grandmother and things like that, how did you go about building a firm spiritual foundation yourself?
1: That's a great question. And uh, I think having that initial growth, I had experience at Belmore, Road, Church of Christ, was a critical part of it. That would mean the the culture of the church and key people, including your father. Uh, In my third year of uh, uni, Benny invited me to stay with him in his house. Uh, He was uh, the only person in the the house and he he wanted a housemate. So he invited me. And So I think that was uh, God's intervention. Maybe Benny didn't even consciously think he was mentoring me or whatever, but just, you know, through osmosis and just being there and living two, two bachelors, living together, and, and he being already uh, very involved in church life. And like, it's kind of like in an in earthly parenting scenario, right? How you grow up in the back, you know, how, how your parents nurture you. So that kind of experience is crucial, I think, and it lasts a long time. So that's that's one, I would think, uh, to answer your question. Now, the probably the second part, I think a Christian has to get a few pillars of life. If, if I can use maybe a house analogy, you know, the pillars have to be strong so that the house stands. And uh, so what would those pillars be in a metaphorical Christian life, right? I'm thinking of things like uh, your marriage, who you marry, your career, how you see, view and manage your finances, I think also forms a pillar. So at least for now, I can think of those three uh, pillars Yeah,
0: Yeah, I really like your analogy TC of the house, you know, having those strong pillars and also how important the church family was in kind of shaping your foundation too.
1: And I was listening to what you're saying and that helped me reflect a bit more. Maybe that first level of, Growth, as I talked about, for me was at Belmore Road. Of course, I have a part to play in it, uh, but I think other people in the body have a maybe a slightly heavier weightage. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm thinking of, you know, like discipling and mentoring in the faith, that kind of thing. Then, once it comes to the pillars, I mean, the individual Christian has maybe a bigger weightage. I'm not sure. Huh. Maybe I'm overanalyzing it. Of course, the church, fellow Christians still play an important role, but uh, a large part of it is probably then what you do with God and in front of God and through the Holy Spirit and, of course, then your spouse if you get married, yeah.
0: But just kind of on that, TC, you mentioned both my dad, Benny, and your wife, Chai Yin. And so I was wondering if you could speak a bit about what you saw in these people that made you say, They've got a firm spiritual foundation, and I want to learn from them and grow with them as well.
1: In a nutshell, it's how they live their lives, right? And I think that's mentioned in the Bible as well, right? So I saw your dad, the way uh, he had started working, uh, I think in my last year or something, I forget exactly. And so I saw how he he started his early career as a lawyer and uh, how he manage his work so that it would not take his time away from worship, from uh, church life. I remember, I recall an incident where I think it was a Saturday and uh, something happened at, at his work and he put his foot down and he says, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, it's uh, kind of like it's, it would, would have impeded something at church or something. I can't remember what it was, but, you know, it was impactful enough that I remembered that that's what a Christian does, right? It means uh, your priorities right how you manage your time your attention and it's not like career always comes first or the job always comes first yeah i saw how benny lived his uh, life in terms of his spending and all that you know he always wore the same old shirts and uh you know even though he could well afford better ones but uh with regards to my wife, uh, I mean, that's through dating, so it's a bit trickier, right? I mean, it's the shorter period of time, but you kind of know, right? Spending a bit of time talking to people and what other people say about her, and uh, you kind of get some information there. But largely, it's uh, just spending time talking and uh, over an adequate amount of time, you kind of kind of get a good sensing, I think. Yeah, And of course, what you look out for is uh, not not to judge the person, but kind of uh, maybe assess, but at the same time, you're also assessing the match, right? She can't be at one level and I'm at a different level.
0: But just kind of on that TC, you were describing how having a firm spiritual foundation should affect those different parts of your life. But could you speak a bit more about how you've experienced this yourself?
1: Well, clearly because I I'm married my wife, Chain, uh, whom you just mentioned earlier, and she has a firm faith, you know, aligned with my what I thought my level of seriousness with her faith was, yeah. And what's the impact of that? Wow, I think tremendous probably in ways that I'm not even conscious of, but example, I mean, our regularity at church worship, the way we bring up our children, the way we spend and save. Yeah, I mean, it's very broad and very deep. Uh, so I would think that that's a very key pillar. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think life is such that there are no guaranteed answers, right? Living long enough now and having been in the church long enough, I mean, people do change. The devil's always at work, and uh, each phase of life, each transition, each emergency, each crisis, sometimes can be a revisit of the foundation.
0: Is that why you think having a firm spiritual foundation is really important? Is it mainly to kind of keep your footing in those tougher times, or is there another reason or other reasons you think it's so important? I
1: think the way you framed it just now, to me, it's uh it's a side effect or a consequence or a benefit. I don't think we do it because so that we can buttress ourselves against those emergencies. Now we do it because that's the way I, to me at least I think that's what God wants us to do uh, is in obedience. God doesn't want uh, like in Revelations, right, lukewarm Christians or churches. He wants a full commitment. And that to me is so I'm saying. It is the way to live the Christian life. Uh, And so it so happens that if we do have that, and I'm sure as God designed it, then we can meet those uh, exigencies and those emergencies better in in the way we respond to them in the way that God wants us to. Otherwise, those emergencies can wash us away.
0: So what do you think, TC, are the obstacles to kind of building that firm foundation? Because... When people face challenges, like you were just talking about, they just drift away. So what do you think is stopping people from making God a priority?
1: Yeah, the the answer is probably all in our awareness. It's uh, just temptations and the devil at work and just the way the world is, uh, the fallen world is, right? So marriage, I would tell you that I... I was interested in a, a couple other ladies before I met Chia Yin, and I think it's God's grace you know <laughs> I was all ready to uh, enter into a relationship with both but both uh, rejected me and now as I look back, wow, luckily <laughs> I don't think that we would have been a great match for each other not just in the faith but just in general. So whether we're in our 20s or 30s, when we start to um, consider marriage seriously, I trust at that time our faith is also strong enough that we we lean on God and depend on Him and pray because that to me is uh, the greatest power that can allow or enable us to develop this firm foundation. Then if you talk about career, yeah, I mean, the usual temptations, right? Where's the money? Where's the big bucks? You know, which are the glamour jobs? Certain jobs will make you looked up to and certain jobs will kind of say, oh, I wonder why he wants to do that. And if we talk about money, wow. <laughs> Don't need I say more, right? Money, money, money. Uh, the world's about money. And in Singapore, it's like what you drive. Just amazed at the number of expensive uh, cars that are on the roads in Singapore, right? So those are the temptations to accumulate, to accumulate more wealth and to be seen to be wealthy
0: now i think my last question tc is a bit more practical in that i wanted to ask you what advice you would give particularly to younger christians who are really wanting to build a firm spiritual foundation for themselves
1: i would say um, and i'm kind of repeating myself maybe in a way that i benefit it Go seek out someone whom you think has that foundation. Hang around them and uh, (laughs) ask them questions. If you're a young person, to see if that person would be able to spend a bit more time with you and make it intentional that you want to learn from them. A a lot of this is not just attending class. It's just walking with with someone, right? It's not the classroom learning. So, you know, the way I have been looking at things, I would say then, the encouragement would be to pay attention to those key institutions, right? If I can call them institutions, institution of marriage, of career. I don't know whether finance is institution, but just finance as well, right? To be very conscious that you want to pray about all three and to be very aware that uh, God wants to be a part of those three. You need to allow God to uh, influence you and even direct you in all those three because even if you do then there will still be those tough challenges uh, whether to conform not conform do i go this way or go that way and it's hard enough already right uh, and it, if you don't pray uh, even if you pray uh, the temptations will still be there but we, we must pray and allow god to come into the picture some people may think that just praying is not very practical. I mean, it's not that you're doing anything. I mean, you're doing something, of course, but you know, we're such practical, uh, hands-on people uh, these days, right? No matter where, especially in Singapore. I don't know about how is it like in Australia. Like, I need to take this thing by the horns and do something and manage it and you know grapple with it and cope with it. And, but I think we uh, shortchange ourselves as Christians because... Uh, It's partly what we do, but a large part of that is what God does. So that's a part that's not not practical in that sense, but you pray and you let God do his work. If we believe that God is with us and in us and the Holy Spirit works in us, then we need to trust and uh, go out on a limb on that and believe that something is working, something's happening. It's just that we can't see it. Because if we could see it, it's not faith anymore, right? I think there needs to be a healthy recognition of that, that uh, it's not everything about what we do. Yes, we need to move forward and go close to God, then let God do the rest. Yeah.
0: So I think that's probably as good a place to end as any. But one last thing I wanted to do, TC, is to ask you a final five questions.
1: It was like a speed round or something.
0: Exactly. So... Whatever springs to your mind first. So speed question number one is, what is your favourite Bible verse and why?
1: I'm torn between Philippians 4 because it's about kind of like what I said, right? Letting go and letting God do the work. So yeah, that would be my, my pick.
0: And the next question, TC, is who is your Bible hero and why?
1: My Bible hero is Paul because he he didn't grow up in a faith and he got knocked about and really came to his senses and, uh, well, the rest is history, right? And he grew to be one of the uh, pillars in the early church.
0: So the third question, when or where do you feel closest to God? For example, that could be out in nature or while you're washing the dishes.
1: I would say I feel very spiritual then. (laughs) I'm very focused and I want to get it done and quick as fast as I can. But yes, it would have to be nature, right? Like in Romans 1, I think it was, right? So nature does a remarkable job of pointing us uh, heavenward. Yeah, nature. Yeah, because I I live near uh, in Singapore, near a stretch that has a lot of trees that goes parallel to the East Coast Park and then onto the East Coast Park area. So I love, uh, I, I never get bored. I can literally walk that path almost every day. In fact, after this, uh, after our conversation, within about maybe an hour, I'll be there walking again.
0: And the fourth question, TC, is what is an ordinary moment that fills you with gratitude?
1: <laughs> I am thinking of something, but I'm not sure if it's appropriate to say. <laughs> That's because uh, in 2017, I was uh, quite seriously ill for a period of few months. and it involved a couple of things and one of it was my bowel movement. So to me, every day when I have not, uh, clear and smooth bowels, to me, that's, I'm filled with gratitude. <laughs> I literally just close my eyes and I thank God every, every morning when I do my thing. Yeah,
0: Thank you for sharing. I can tell you that is a unique answer. And so the last question, Tacy, is what is one lesson you think God is still trying to teach you?
1: And I'm thinking about what I have to do uh, when I'm caregiving. I just spend time with my mother's house where my two elder sister lives and one of whom is has cancer and is uh, immobile. And then my 93-year-old mother is there. She's mobile, but you know she's quite reclusive these days. And I just sit there with her literally when there's quite a few hours when everything is done, all the busy, busy stuff is done, no hospital visits, nothing. I just sit there because she, she wants some company, otherwise she would just sit there a whole day with no one around. And I try and talk to her, you know, try and evangelize, but, you know, it doesn't go anywhere. And I must admit there have been a few moments when I just say, I don't think uh, she'll become a Christian. And uh, recently, I God gave the thought to me that It's not for me to say my role is to continue to pray for her and to keep trying. Uh, It's not to give up on her.
0: So I think, TC, we can probably wrap up our conversation there. But I did want to say thank you so much for making time to chat today and to share your story with us.
1: My pleasure, Faith and... uh... I will pray for you that you continue to uh, develop those firm foundations yourself.
0: Having known TC as a committed, dad joke cracking Christian all my life, it was fascinating to hear more about his faith journey. I hope you thought so too. Thank you for tuning in to the fifth episode of the podcast. You can send any feedback to saltyandbrightpod at gmail.com and make sure to stay tuned for episode six coming soon. But until then, stay salty and bright.